Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With a Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front, man. You should never let people see your car. When to bluff, when to call. I did not raise. I flipped over the ace. I raked in the chips. Put a good pop. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12 of Badoogie All-Stars. Um, I have a special guest surprise for you. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to let it be awkward silence because that's what we do best. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, the surprise was that you're going to listen to the podcast live. <laughs> Stop talking. I didn't know I didn't know you were going to... Okay, I guess you can go... You can co-host with me. Sweet. This yeah. is Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah, so... I know you left a long time ago for the foreseeable future because you could only see three weeks into the future and could not see this coming. Yeah, well, uh, that was the long, long ago in the before time. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense, though, because what you said is you were leaving to try and, like, do charity and, like, make the world a better place. After last week, I feel like the bar has been set so low that this is kind of the low-hanging fruit. It's much easier to improve this and make, you know, both of our listeners happy than to, like, save a dog. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm still going to do that, but this is just something that needed needed to be done. You're here just to kind of dry the podcast off, so to speak. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> it got a little too damp for my tastes. Uh, yeah, it was uncomfortable. I I mean, I understand how boxers feel now, just like getting punched over and over. Listening back to the podcast as I edited it was just like a blow to the head over and over <laughs> I mean, no offense. edited that? It didn't sound edited. Yeah, you should have heard it before. No, I I just cut out like the really really awkward parts where we just started giggling about dampness. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not not our not our most shining episode, um, but so it goes. So what what have you been up to besides missing us? Um, well, I don't know if you heard, but there was a massive earthquake uh, in my area. Um, you, well, How, you're in California, so you. Probably... We had our own. We had our own earthquake last night. We had earthquake jealousy, and we're like, well, "Let me show you how it's done." <laughs> had our own little earthquake last night. Did you? Yeah, we did. What? Uh, how big? It wasn't very big. It was really shallow, so it, I think it was like six meters was like the the center of it. So it was close to the surface. So everybody kind of felt it, but it was nothing. Didn't knock over any chairs like yours. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know, but whatever. Um, yeah, so the earthquake, uh, yeah, it was a 5.9, which is like a hundred times worse than any other earthquake that's ever hit this area, I think. Um, and so everyone went crazy. Uh, and yeah. You, you, it's probably like when it rains here, everybody like goes crazy. Like, oh my God, the road is wet. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> um I'm going to steer this this podcast away from talking about moisture, but uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the earthquake, yeah, it, it really did nothing. Um, basically, I, well, I was at a gas station, and my boss was filling up our work truck, and the truck started wo um, wobbling back and forth, and I didn't even look up from my phone. I was just, like, surfing Twitter, and... Uh, I was just like, 
What did you say? I said that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and and I was just like, what what is his problem? Like, what does he not know how to put the gas in the truck without shaking it? I was like, I, whatever. And and then I looked over to the right and I saw the this van was kind of shaking and. I was like, oh, they must be doing something, or you know, you could hear some like, loud rap music. I was like, they might just have really sweet subwoofers or something. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then out of nowhere, these guys come running out of. Uh, they look like teenagers come running out of the gas station, sprint to their cars, and and uh, dr- and start to drive off. And I'm like, oh crap, they're 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 robbing this place. <laughs> um, and so I immediately start taking down tag numbers, um, and my boss is, like, f- fiddling with the keys. He's trying to uh, start the truck. He's like, man, someone's going to get shot up in here. And and, and I'm like oh, – and then all of a sudden, like, we realize, like, everything is sh- it was shaking, and, like, all kinds of people were coming out, and it wasn't just these teenagers <laughs> – and so it's, we slowly began to realize it wasn't – well, it, it might not have just been a robbery. It was something else. <laughs> um, was it also a robbery? Did you, did you determine that? I, I don't think so. Um, the looting began, awesome. began immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it was also a robbery. But, uh, but yeah, everyone kind of was like – we drove back to my office and you could see everyone was like outside their buildings, just kind of like looking around like what that, what the heck just happened? Cause we don't, we don't have earthquakes. This is definitely my first earthquake and I wouldn't be surprised unless I moved. Uh, that would be my last. Yeah, well, global, global warming, the world's falling apart. There are earthquakes everywhere. There's like yeah, another I, earthquake in like Peru last night. Like it's a whole thing. Like I think there's a monster that lives in the center of the earth. It's waking up. And it's starting to shake everywhere. That's, I mean, that's what I expect to happen, at least. Okay. Well, that, there's that. But um, <laughs> I was uh, watching the news. They were talking about how horrible you guys are dealing with earthquakes. Like, general earthquake safety is not like you guys basically like ran and like dove through windows, which is kind of the opposite <laughs> of what you're supposed to do. It's yeah. like you're supposed to like stand in either doorways or under like solid furniture, wait for it to stop, not like jump in your car and start driving. Yeah, that's what I, I didn't understand, like, because everyone, apparently, when I talked to them, said, like, they just immediately started sprinting. And I was like, you you realize you're not going to, like, out-sprint it, right? You know, like, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, the ground is actually shaking. Yeah, so I didn't really understand that. But, I mean, it was, it, you know, to their credit, I guess, you know, we've never had one. But still, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't even look up for my phone, but... <laughs> Uh, that's probably not also not the proper reaction. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've never had a tornado. I wouldn't go cool tornado and run at it. Like yeah. there's a certain amount of like, oh, it's not safe. Like you can kind of figure out what things are good. Like yeah. dri- driving around in your car, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, I don't know, but it was it was interesting. Um, I th- someone posted a pic to, you referenced earlier. Um, there was like a, a patio furniture and one of the chairs was knocked down and someone labeled it the DC devastation. <laughs> and, uh, and that, this morning, uh, someone posted uh, the same picture, but they put like an Eagle with a flag next to it. And it says August 23rd, 2011, never forget. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty funny. I'll have to post it. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. Uh, 
Was it all I, that you dreamed? Like all of this discussion of earthquakes? Was it like, oh, now I know what they're talking about? I mean, I don't wish that like there was damage and stuff, but if that's gonna be it for my my bucket list of an earthquake experience, uh, that's pretty pretty weak sauce. So I don't know. I might have to I might have to go out to hippie land. Yeah, we don't schedule them though, so it'll be a little tougher. Like you'd have to move just to get this off your bucket list. And by the way, like living through a natural disaster is not really like a bucket list item so much as like you do it because you don't want to die. Yeah, I guess so. Are you going down to check out that hurricane too? I heard about a hurricane was happening. When it when it where and when is that? I don't know. It's not on my side of the country, so what do I care? But <laughs> no, I know that I know it's heading towards I heard Florida and the Carolinas, but I don't know if that was definite or just how it was trending. But I mean, I think if you were to jump in the car, you could do earthquake and hurricane in the same week. That would be pretty sweet. Is it sad that when you say the word trending, I can only think of, of Twitter? Twitter. Yeah, it is actually quite sad. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, like hashtag so natural yeah, disaster uh, times two. Yeah, so I, I may have to may have to move out to California to experience that a little bit further. But uh I'm trying to think. There's not much else that's been going on. Uh the most exciting thing in your life is an is an uneventful earthquake. <laughs> yeah. I see why you haven't been able to do the podcast. Yeah. I have been putting in some uh some work. We uh I think I've mentioned that I used to have a, a foster a foster dog. And he got adopted a few a couple weeks ago, um, and so now after Labor Day, uh, we're gonna look into getting a new foster, um, and we're gonna get a pit a pit bull this time because that's what we have, and they are hard to adopt out and hard to find homes. Uh, I think the stat is one in every six hundred pit bulls in a shelter finds a home. Is so, that because they're always biting people and stuff and like fighting yeah. and like killing yes, kids? Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, just just so uh um this it has some educational value. Uh lockjaw on pit bulls, that that's a myth. That doesn't actually exist. Um pit bulls actually are used in fighting because they love people so much that they won't turn on you when when you're in the ring with them. So people who are afraid of pit bulls they actually love people um so yeah just to dispel some rumors there real quick i have and i have two black cats one of them is extremely unlucky so that part is actually true <laughs> well it sounds like it's 50 50 right well i don't know i mean it's hard to tell like how much his effect casts across the entire house so she may be unlucky as well she is unlucky to live with him so that didn't work out well for her yeah, <laughs> but yeah, is it sad that every time you say foster, I think Australian for beer? Um, no. Okay, I don't think so. It reminds me of Mitch. If he were here, he would just think you were like <laughs> adopting a beer, <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd be like perplexed, is like, why? Why don't you just drink it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then. So anyway, yeah, that's all I got going on. Um. I don't know anything new with you. I mean, same old, same old. Um, I'm, I'm moving in two days or like the movers come in three days. We have two more days of like frantically throwing things in boxes. So just a little and hectic you, with that. How do you get all those boxes on your bike? Um, I have baskets. Oh, okay. All right. I, 
I just I have a skateboard. I just tied a string like a rope to it and just pull it behind. So that worked out fine. I only have to get okay. off to are like gonna, you, put the box back on every so often. Are you gonna rent a Segway? No, I don't need to rent a Segway. I'm gonna, <laughs> I might rent my Segway out to other people. No, okay. I, I don't own a Segway. No, <laughs> no, we're we, we're hiring movers. We we moved all the boxes ourselves so far for the most part, but we're gonna have movers do the furniture because to get our couch upstairs involved three people, rope and like a ladder. So. Interesting. Yeah, we decided we don't really want to get it back down. And because we want to keep the couch, we have to get someone else to do it. That does make sense. Yep. It was pretty so, awesome though. It was it was a sight to see. Where and why are you moving? I'm just we're just like 3 miles across town. Our landlord has decided that she wants to sell this house at some point and is being really vague about it. We'd rather not live here and have it sold out from underneath us, so we're going to move on our own. Volition is that a word? Volition should be. Yes, that yeah. is definitely a word. I don't know if you used it correctly. But... Yep. Uh, well, I, I'll pretend I did. Uh, we're, okay. We're, but yeah, we're so we're just gonna. We decided to start looking, found a place, and are just gonna do it. Signed a longer lease and do that whole thing. Good stuff. Are you still uh, within biking distance of work since it's only three miles away? I'm actually moving. It's almost like three miles directly closer to work. So oh, I nice. go from like a. 10 or 11 mile ride to a seven or eight mile ride. So it'll be actually a lot more manageable. 11, 11 miles each way every day is a little rough. Seven miles each way nice. is a lot more uh, sustainable. So yeah, good stuff. How, how long does 11 miles take? Um, with like, in terms of just riding time, it's like 41 minutes because I have a watch thing that times my actual moving time. Plus, you know, whatever time you spend at lights. So okay. 45 to 50 minutes, like, on the clock. It's not that so bad. So this will be about a half an hour, I guess? Yeah, just about. And it's That's not bad. It's right on the same route that I've been riding, which is a really nice, like, bike-friendly road. Not a lot of cars turning in front of me, which is the worst part. I don't care if there's a lot of cars on the road as long as they're not kind of constantly merging. So, yeah. Because that's the, I mean, that's the thing is people who are driving don't pay attention to people on bikes. And as long as you're aware of that, it's fine. It's the people who ride their bike thinking the people in the car will see them who get into trouble. Yeah. 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 I had a motorcycle for a brief period of time and uh, rode it on the highway just a few times. We have a, a it's called 695. It's the beltway that goes around Baltimore. Um, and I rode it on that a few times. And I literally felt like there was a decent chance I was going to die at any moment. So I uh, proceeded to sell that motorcycle shortly thereafter. Yeah, I think that is wise. From what I understand, it's kind of the same deal, bikes and motorcycles, except motorcycles are going faster. So you're more likely to die than to just get hurt. Yeah. But like accident rates of being like hit by cars is pretty similar. Oh, really? I didn't know that. But yeah, I mean, definitely your your decreased speed in a bike. I mean, it's not like it's not like on a motorcycle. I have more protection. No, I mean, the thing with the motorcycle is you do have the ability to accelerate out of trouble a little better than a bike. Like you can't really speed up on your bike suddenly because <laughs> yeah. you're kind of trying to avoid things. So you end up slowing down because you're not pedaling and you're trying to move where a motorcycle you could kind of throttle out of the way, I guess. Yeah. Or something. I don't yes. know. I don't know much about how motorcycles work. I know to get a motorcycle 
license, you have to learn to drive over a two by four. Because I have a friend that took a class that involved driving her motorcycle over a two by four, which I don't understand how often that comes up, but I don't remember that part of the test. So that might be a California thing. Yeah, we have a lot more lumber in the road here. Okay. It's the earthquakes. I guess all the earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. the buildings tip over and you have to ride over them. See, I, I, the big part of the test I remember is having to turn around at a very low speed in a small little box. Like I don't in, know what that like says inside about of a box. Like, not in an actual box. Uh oh, I thought it was like a Dr. Seuss thing. <laughs> I do not want your bike in a box. I don't know. He rhymed better. Yeah. All right. So anyway. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, just PLO and still trying to figure all that nonsense out. Yeah, that sounded complicated. It, I listened to that episode with two four. That was a good episode, by the way. But uh, thanks. yeah. Yeah, it's know. a it's it's a tough game, but I th I mean it it actually makes a lot more sense than it it did when I first listened to Solid State and like Hello Maha and stuff. I say listen because I I usually am not actually staring at the screen, but the videos. Um, so you're saying those series suck? No, I, I'm just saying there's so much to it that it's like it's sort of like learning like a like science or something like that. Like I read it. And I'm like, okay, I understand theoretically what they're talking about. And then we would do like experiments in class or go to the lab. And it's like, oh, got it. Okay, that's what we're talking about. And then I go back and read it again. And it's like, okay, this all makes sense. So I end up having to kind of watch both series, play a bunch of hands, talk with people about it. And then I, I'm going back and watching them again. And it's like, all right, I understand what they're talking about. I see how this would make sense. I understand why I wouldn't play low pairs. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But I don't know, just as a, I enjoy learning things, and so as a learning exercise, it's been fun. Um, I don't know if long-term it's the game for me. Um, I think triple, triple Draw is really still the one that like was fun immediately and continued to be fun. But I have seen Triple Draw like, actually have people at the table on Merge one time, and <laughs> it was great for 20 minutes until the game broke, and that was it. Well, I, li I just listened to the the latest Hayball episode, and uh, they had that guy from Poker Stars on, and you know I, I don't really put no offense to that guy, but I don't really put much weight in his opinion. Um, but he did say that you know he thought you know within six to twelve months it'd be legalized, and but then he also said that he's thought that for the past five years. So yeah, I think um, it's convenient to believe things that benefit you. Um, yeah, like I know so, a couple of people have told me they they think their money is safe on merge, and yeah, <laughs> none of them thought their money was unsafe any of the places where their money is now stuck. So I would like to. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'd like to believe it. It's like which the point you made in the last episode where I think Antler said something to the effect of, you know, I don't plan on losing my role on merge. Or whatever, whatever, and you were like, "Well, did you did you plan on losing it on stars?" <laughs> yeah, no, no one ever plans for the bad. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I I am un I put my money on merge with the idea that if this goes away, I'm okay with it. I'm not looking for that to happen, but I have to be okay with it and expecting that to happen. It's all about low expectations and then exceeding them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds very pessimistic, but it makes things like this much easier. If I'm just assuming this $200 is gone and magically I somehow receive it in the future, beautiful. If not, yeah. it's what I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I know they got the uh, the on what is it September fifteenth? I think Full Tilt is meeting with Alderney Gaming Commission again. Um, I mean, I'll yeah, but I mean, like like we see we saw last time that could clearly show show nothing of any sort of progress. So. I'm really, really not holding my breath uh, as far as seeing anything happen in, until it actually happens. I mean, the thing oh. with Full Tilt is I think they, even if they get their gaming license, it's got to be under a condition that they like actually have the money to pay people back. I can't imagine Alderney's going to go like, oh, well, you guys are really nice. Here's your license back. Um, save up that money. Like, They're going to have to be able to pay everybody, and they can't. Yeah, well, it's my understanding that they're trying to sell the company. Whoever, basically, I guess they're trying to either dupe someone into buying it or someone who thinks they can actually spin this around, pay everyone back, pay off the DOJ, pay off the Gaming Commission, and still salvage the name of Full Tilt Poker to make money. That seems like a lot of uh, things to parlay, which makes me not hopeful, but who knows? It could happen. Um and then as far as actually legalized poker or however you want to call it, you know, say it um, for America, I, I still think it's it's it could be possible within two years. I, yeah, two years I could see. I just don't like who is going to put this bill out and get behind it in an election year in like six months. Yeah, months. I don't think it's going to happen then at all. So unless somehow it gets tacked on uh, like some other big bill, you know, like the Safe Port Act, um, you know, if it gets tacked on, then we could really run good there. But other than that, it's going to take a while. But, I mean, you think about how many people are like anti-gambling are like for religious reasons or moral reasons or whatever. Like they very staunchly believe gambling is bad. There aren't nearly the number of people that are that staunchly believe poker is awesome. That's you know? true. And I think that's the thing is like you can there's no base that you're pleasing by attaching it. I mean, like if Gary Johnson well, the, becomes president, then he'll pass internet poker, at least from what I've read on two plus two, because every other thread is about Gary Johnson. But I don't well, you always you always hear about, you know, like how money rules everything and how, oh, you know, this this is what would be the right move morally, but this is how it is because of, you know, oil companies run things. We would have electric cars by now if not for the oil companies. I think this is one of those situations where that actually plays in our favor because I foresee when and Harrah's and Caesars or whomever uh, – putting so much money behind this that it doesn't really matter that what you just said is true. It doesn't really matter that 90% of the people don't want it because it's all about the money. Oh, I agree with that. I think it's going to take Caesars and Harris and everybody else being willing to like try and cash in on it. But I mean, it's going to, it's not going to be like suddenly they just drop a million dollars in everybody's pocket and they go, okay, let's go. I think it's going to be, you're going to have to kind of build I don't know. They're going to have to buy senators one at a time, really. It's kind of what it's going to come down to. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I mean, I mean, think I've said this on here before. I think the lame duck session of the of the 2012, you know, Congress is going to be the first time where, you know, there's going to be people that are being voted out or they know no one's really paying attention and just, and just slap it onto something, which is, I mean, Reed tried to do it during the lame duck last time and just hope you can just kind of slide it through. I don't, I don't know. I would be surprised 
I mean, this seems like the right economy for it, where it's like, hey, we're out of money. We're spending too much. We need to raise money. We don't want to tax anybody. Okay, well, here's some money that's just sitting there. Why don't you take it? Yeah. But my gut is it's going to take states legalizing it for the federal government to go, oh, I guess it's happening. We could be doing that and then want to do it too, that they're not going to lead. So California has to do it first and everybody else that is trying to put one through. It's going to be like five or six states are already doing it. Hey, we want that money, and then suddenly they'll get interested. Definitely agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I think saying things like six to 12 months is not helping the cause. I think it's setting unrealistic expectations for people, and it's just going to frustrate everybody because they're going to think like, oh, in six to 12 months, and then a year from now, they're like, oh, and then PokerStar says six to 12 months, and they're kind of, you know, the boy that cried wolf about or the boy that cried internet legislation. Yeah. And I think it's just going to – you're going to lose, I don't know, the enthusiasm people might have for actually writing letters or anything like that, which I think is already kind of waning because it's been four months, and that's a, you know longer than people usually pay attention to any topic. Do you think Joe, Joe Tall reads the story of the boy who cried internet legislation to his daughter? Yes, I do. <laughs> I could see that happening. I don't know. She, she may not be old enough for such a scary story. I don't know. She was, she was like, you've seen the uh, the deuces cracked energy video, and she was like, what three in that? So that's true. I don't know. That was a while ago. How long ago was it? We can figure how old she is based on using some simple math, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so who who were we interviewing today? Um, it's gonna be Big V. Um, okay. He's, and he was telling me earlier that he is going to Las Vegas. And he is excited about meeting TJ because he heard TJ gives hugs to people. Yeah, TJ does give hugs to people because he's a nice guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You could learn a thing or two. I could. You could, too, <laughs> about playing triple draw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, why don't we uh, throw it over to the interview? Okay. Hey, guys, I'm back with uh, Big V. Uh, Tecmo and I are having a fight, so he has given me the silent treatment. Um He's definitely listening. He's not not here, just so we're clear on that. Uh, but Big V, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me aboard. Yeah, I thank you for being here. After last week, I know the bar is set very high and well, you know, up to. I made a special point of getting uh, damp for this episode. <laughs> um, I did work out and then have a shower just so I could uh, be on the moisture side. <laughs> I love that that is what we're known for now. <laughs> um, uh, so... First question is, where does your nickname come from? Well, actually, my last name is one of those Dutch, incredibly hard to pronounce last names. Um, so when I was playing high school and, and university football, uh, my coaches just didn't want to bother with that. So they started calling me just Big V. Yeah, I find coaches are just kind of lazy in general. Pretty much. Well, it makes it easier for them to yell at me as opposed to, you know, my full whole full name. They're just like, hey, V, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So, uh, and then, unfortunately, I think actually I registered the name on, like, play accounts on Full Tilt and Poker Stars, like, long, long ago. And so when I went to actually kind of start playing, it became, well, Big V was taken, and I didn't want to be Bigger V, so I went to Biggest V. <laughs> which, and I think there's actually an episode of, I think it's Report Card, where uh, DJ Sensei, it might have been Joe start debating what my name actually is because I figure it was Big Steve but spelt all wrong. 
So that's the number thing I get is, is like, oh, good hand, Steve. And I'm like, oh, my name's not Steve. My name is B. Iggsby. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I didn't want to be bigger V because then I'm not the biggest. Right. You don't want to be trumped by someone else. No. So, so that's the origination of that. But for the most part, I'm in forums. My nickname everywhere else is just Big V. That, that makes sense. I, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time picking my name and it, it, it's, I'm kind of stuck with it now, I guess, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem too, is now you think back about it and you're like, huh. Like I, if I could change biggest V, I would in like an instant. To ginormous V. Yeah, that would be a good one. But then people will still call me ginormous Steve. <laughs> somehow <laughs> I don't know what that would be then but but yeah it's so what what is your poker story have you been playing for a long time or are you oh I have been um I I started off in the whole online poker is rigged uh school of thought um because I was terrible bad for the most part um and playing the play money on poker stars in full tilt like it's just I guess you call it variance now, but I mean, this is a gong show. And plus, I was you know one of those typical guys played a lot of hands and I slow played everything, trapping them. Yeah, that was my big my big secret, my big trick was I just trap everybody forever. And then uh, some guys at work ended up putting together a uh, like a poker tournament league. And I thought, of course, you know, like like every poker player, that I had it, you know poker all figured out. So, you know, I hit a big hand and I trap everybody. And, of course, it didn't work out so well. Um, and then we had a new guy start at work who started consequently smashing uh, our work tourneys. So I started talking poker about him, and then he turned out to be a, uh, a deuces crack number. Um, so then he put me onto the site, and I remember the first series I watched um, was Unconventional Wisdom with uh, DJ Sensei and Vanessa. And it just, like, blew my mind. Like, that just completely opened my eyes to, wow, that's actually how you play poker. And then did you start implementing all those things at live poker and have them blow up in your face? Uh, live poker, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, live poker is funny. Uh, but, yeah, like that's I never deposited any money on poker sites at all. I did the whole free roll grind for the longest time and kind of built myself up from nothing. Um, that's probably why I'm still stuck in the micros because if I just deposited some money and kind of played a little bit higher, I'd probably do a lot better. But well, I think everybody probably thinks that. Yeah. Just uh, trap move them up where, move up where they respect my raises. That's right. What's, what stakes <laughs> do you play these days? Uh, it, you know, it's anywhere between like 10 to 50 and L depending on how drunk I am. Uh, thankfully I'm usually like in the reverse. So when I'm cranked, it's just like, ah, screw it. I'm going to hit some 10 NL and just dog it up. I was going to ask, because I mean, there's something to be said for that, that if you're aware, like, oh, I'm donking it up, at least stepping down a level is... Well, that's what I used to love Rush for. Because when oh, I was yeah. just cranked, I would just hit, like, the Rush Poker 2-cent, 5-cent full ring games and, like, accidentally fold aces about eight times. Because, <laughs> man, you get, into, you get into that quick fold rhythm. Like, oh, yeah, do 7 queen-4, aces, oh, shit. It's like video poker when you're drawing five, like three times in a row, and you don't know whether you get more cards on this hand that you're on anymore. And just like, just, I'm just hitting buttons so fast. <laughs> yeah, that was, for me, Rush was good for that. But at the same time, like, I developed some horrible habits from Rush. But 
I miss Rush so much. Yeah, I, like I said, it just makes it for like the absolute drunken, you know, just fold everything but aces and then jam. And the amount of times that worked is actually pretty sad. See, it's the opposite of your original strategy of like trapping. Now you're like exactly fast playing. But, well, you know what what happens? This probably happens to like all all players. Is like I'd I'd watch so many DC videos and I got into the forums and you know talking poker and and you know of course I went on a little bit of a heater and I just thought I knew everything there was to know about the game. You know, like I just thought that yeah, I am the best in those. Totally over aggressive and doing all kinds of silly crap. And then, of course, it all crashed down. And, and I think that that's probably the biggest learning lesson I've had is, is that, and it's actually something I think that was in the book by um, uh, Leatherass, was um, uh, his chapter on, on you'll never be a, like a senior golfer or whatever. Because, like, I, maybe not you necessarily, and definitely not Tecmo, but other guys spend a lot more time researching and learning poker <laughs> than I do. So I wasn't sure where that was going. It's like, <laughs> are you putting me at the bottom of the list or are you complimenting me? And I don't no. know which is more appropriate. Because <laughs> I mean, I read all these guys and, and I mean, some of them are, are brilliant at poker. And a lot of these guys that I, I see in, even at my stakes have millions of hands of poker in. And, you know, because I work, I got a family and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I think last year I maybe put in maybe a hundred thousand like all year. So it's tough when, you know, you don't have that much practice and time to compete with people. So now I kind of take the approach when I sit down that I'm not the best player at the table. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a positive or whatever, but I find when I think I know everything and I could beat everybody by outplaying them, that I get myself into trouble. And I think that makes sense. I mean, I mean to assume that you're the best is probably to you know make yourself too cocky and you're overplaying hands and trying to put moves on people as long as you're aware of your skills i mean when i interview people for you know employment or whatever i've always like knowing what you don't know is such a big skill to have that so many people don't aren't aware of what their limitations are and where they're strong compared to weak they just think like oh i'm good at stuff or i i agree 100 percent. i mean for me uh in my work, it's, I, I respect the people that say, I don't know way more than the people that are experts on something. Especially um, if they say, I don't know, let, but let me go try and figure that out. Or they, yeah. and I that think you're absolutely right. The best, yeah. po- the best poker players that I know tend to be that way that you ask a question and it's like, well, I think it's this. And if you ask the math, they can tell you. And if they don't know something, they're like, Oh, I think that's pretty close. And they come back with like an equity estimation or like they run it through poker stove or something. Yeah, and, and I, I completely agree. And I mean, I think that, you know, it being admitting that you don't know enables you to learn, right? I mean, look at Phil Heldmuth, right? He thought he was a God's gift to poker. And although he kind of ran hot this last series, but it killed him. Whereas you look at like Daniel Legrand, who I, I think is probably one of the best models for poker right now. Um, just because, good, he's, because he's Canadian. He's Canadian, obviously, yeah. Well, I mean, he plays a good spokesman, but he also went back and said, you know what, these internet kids know something. Like, they're good at poker. And he went and kind of went down and redid his game. And, I mean, he used to be just horrible in the cash games. And now he's not great, but he's competing. 
Right. So a lot of times you have to have that, okay, I'm not the best here. So let me learn. And that, that's more what I'm trying to do now. Like, I mean, I don't need poker as an income or anything. I, I kind of call myself, I guess, a recreational grinder where I take it seriously, but it's not my life. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a hobby. It's something to do. I mean, yeah, but it's like everything with me is I. I don't want to be shitty at it. Right. I mean, right? what's, like what's the point? I mean, yeah, it's like. I mean, even if you're like your hobby was model trains, you don't want to be just banging trains together. You want to, you know, do it well. Like that's yeah. the point of having a hobby. Is it? I don't know. At least for me, when I do a hobby, it's because I want something to kind of focus my energy on and be proud of, and you know. And that's why, like, a lot of times, like, when I actually go and play live poker now, I, most of that, actually, for me, is, is the fun and the social aspect of it. Because the last thing I'd ever want to be in my life is a 1-2 NL live grinder. Right. I think that lifestyle would kill me. Yeah, that doesn't... For numerous reasons, but... I, yeah, I don't... I mean, it, just the variance of live, to me, is so much... Just because you're playing so few hands per hour, just... It, I don't know. I to me, like making money off of poker is my primary source of income. Would drive me nuts, because I don't like the idea of like I do everything right today, and then I pay my boss a thousand dollars, and it's like that. That, <laughs> and that, that and that's just... what I, yeah, I agree. And that's what I tried to fight. Like in my my last session, I I looked back over my hands. There's one that was kind of marginal about whether I played right or not, but the other ones I played perfect and lost. And it's weird because that still tilts me. It's like, you know, I should be like, oh, okay, that's fine. But I stew about it for like two, three days afterwards kind of thing. Does it affect your play and when you stew better? You just kind of are thinking about it and trying to figure out what you could have done differently? Or is it really just like a stupid luck? No, I, I don't. I mean, it's tough to say, but I don't think it affects my play because, I mean, I've been through the whole... EP, TPE series and, you know, and, and realize that, oh, well, that's just the way it goes sometimes and play the next hand. So while I'm in the session, it seems to not affect me, but then I end up going like home broke and then I'm just like, damn, that pisses me off. Right. I played my last hand perfect and still went broke. And then I replayed in my mind three, four times, talked about it with a couple people, and it's like, yeah, well, I didn't do anything wrong, but it's still on my mind. And I think the only part of me that it, that it affects is, is that, you know, when I get in good, a lot of times I just expect to lose. Right. But, I mean, by then the money's already in, and, and you know, the big favorite, and I lose, I lose, and I'm not one of those people that thinks that, you know, my mood or my mindset affects what cards are coming and that kind of bullshit. Yeah, I, I mean, it was something that, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned on here a few times that I, I feel like setting low expect, low expectations and then exceeding them is not a bad way to live life. I mean, it's... Well, and that's what... And yeah, I think well, if you just kind of figure like, oh, well, maybe I'll get sucked out on, I got the money and good, and you could kind of like pause it right there, then whatever. It, whatever happens, happens, and, you know, you can't affect it. You're not reaching into the deck and pulling out a different card depending on how you feel. Top card's coming. If it If the river's you know, bad for you, whatever. It's the river. Yeah. I mean, that's, like I said, that's why now when I approach, when I go sit down live, a lot of it is just for enjoyment. It's not like I'm going to play every hand and donk off 200 bucks or 400 bucks or however much. It's just, I'm going to have fun. And if I blow 200 bucks, oh, well, I blow 200 bucks and a lot of stuff. 
How often do you so play live? Are you you play pretty regularly? No, uh, mostly like I said because Vinky would kill me. <laughs> um, so like I travel um, often for work. So kind of one of my you know nerdy poker things is every time I travel I want to go play at some of these casinos I've heard about. So I've played at uh, a couple places in Vancouver and um, uh, one place in San Jose, uh, the Bay. No. Bay 101. Bay 101. That's so. That's, that's my local card room. Oh, is it? okay. So yeah, I played there. So like every in, in Vegas, I've kind of I think I've played in basically all of them. That's why I want to play in the area this time down because it's the only one I haven't done. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it for me is kind of you know, and usually I collect a dollar chip, kind of, on my way for a collection kind of thing. So for me, it's it's like a time killer when I'm away and I would just be in a bar drinking my money away. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, is it? I mean, you said you do it for the social aspect. Do you find, like, traveling and playing other places that there's certain casinos that are more fun to play at, or is it kind oh, of the same sort of people everywhere? They're all horrible, but Vegas. That's, that's been my take on it. Um, like I said, this last trip to Vancouver, there is at least four guys with the headphones on, uh, one guy screaming at another guy about being a donkey, uh, one guy telling me his bad beat story for half an hour, and, like, Another three guys that didn't speak English, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I, and you know what? And like, I, I try to convince myself I'm a social drinker. So, if I'm drinking and nobody's talking, I feel a little bit more on the real side of the probably the drinker I am. Yeah. And so, right? just taking people's headphones off, like, talk to me. I need to drink. But you know what? I, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. But I think that that's actually probably the one thing that is absolutely the most mixed, missed by live players. And, and I think like so many people have talked about this is like, make the game entertaining for the fish and they'll stay there and lose all their money. Yeah. And maybe even buy in some more money and lose some more money to you. Right. Right. Because they're, they're having fun. They're having a good time. And, and the only place I've ever seen that's like in Vegas, and that's probably because of all the tourists there that are actually legitimately there to have a good time. I, yeah, and I, I mean, to me, like, that aside, just, like, making the game fun just seems like it would make the game more fun. And that, to me, like, to poker's, poker's kind thing. of boring. If you're just sitting there playing cards live, like... Oh, especially live full ring, it's like, okay, 7-3 offsuit. All right. Five minutes later, 8-4 offsuit. Well, at least I'm improving. You know, yeah. five minutes later, you know, right? Like, yeah. It, and then you get like Jack Seven. You're like, this is the best hand I've seen in an hour. I'm playing it. Because oh yeah. You're so bored because you're not and, doing and anything. I mean, that that's the, the second biggest thing that I've done. Well, A is like the first is the, the entertaining and being. Like I always found that people don't mind giving money to the nice guy either. Right. Like there's. There's nothing people hate more than giving it to the guy that's sitting there with his iPod and his sunglasses and his hoodie up. Yep. Like, they just can't stand that. But you're a nice guy and you're talking. They'll call you with all kinds of shit. And they're like, well, you got me, you got me. You're a good guy. And, of course, you have them. Right. right? And then they might buy in for more. And they're not pissed off at it. They're having a good time. They don't mind giving you money. And that's very lucrative. Um, so it's... It, that that is like you know one of the biggest things, and then uh, I just lost my train of thought. It's this podcast that just sucks <laughs> right, right out of your head. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, so his first live. Oh no, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, I just got gained it back there. We we're talking about like the hands you play crap. Mm-hmm. At least now I've learned that when I'm gonna do that, I do that in position. Yeah. Right. So like, at least if I'm bored and like, you know, limb pots, I'm still folding some raised pots. I'll wait till I'm gonna cut off to call in, you know, the the queen ten or the king ten or whatever. Because I found that that actually gets you a lot you actually can win some money that way and it'll actually cost you a lot less than going huh i'm gonna limp in my jack nine from under the gun yeah uh that being said i think that pretty much every time i've gotten bullets kings or ace king it's been in the blinds or under the gun the blinds are nice though because then they get all those limpers and then you can come over the top but well, you think so, but live players have this, maybe it's only one, two, and I've watched a lot of the deuce play stuff, and it seems to be one of those one, two only things, but, so, I mean, this hand in Vancouver, my second hand in, literally second hand in, my small blind, I pick up aces, and it folded around to middle position, guy limps, uh, another guy limps, button limps, and then I pop it up. To I think it was 16 because I meant to raise five, but I already had one in, or I meant to raise 15, but I already had one in front of me. Uh, that's the other thing that drives people nuts is the uh, the online poker raising to like 17 dollars or whatever. <laughs> it just yeah. drives people apeshit. So if you want to tilt people, you could probably do that. Um, <laughs> so I pop it up and I got everybody that limp called because of course they're like, oh well, this guy's either got the aces or you know the ace king and I'm going to crack him. Yep. Right. And so of course the flop comes, uh, the flop came Jack 10 Jack. So I followed up with a bet for 25 bucks. The guy hum and hawed and did the whole Hollywood thing. And then main raised me to 50 bucks. And it went fold, fold, fold. And of course, you know, I look at his, I don't think he's overplaying a 10 here or Queens or Kings or something. So, I end up bucking my aces, and of course, and this is the other thing that nice that, that live players do way too often is he shows me the the jack ten that he had. Yeah, right. That's... So a lot of a lot of these guys give way too much information, and he played that hand completely wrong. <laughs> but... Now, do you think that's partly because you're, you know, the nice guy at the table? They want to show you their cards because you're buddies. Well, no, like I said, that was literally everybody. That was like literally the second hand. So, I mean, these guys don't know me from anybody. Yeah, I'm chatting a little bit, but still. A lot of times these guys just want to show when they hit the nuts that what they're doing is legit. So every time I bet at you, I have this, like, I guess our mind frame. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way most times. Um, but, I mean, that's just, like, an example. But in most cases, and the one, too, is a, me being the guy with the aces would have shipped that flop. So it would have gone bet erased and I would have just shoved it all in because that's why these guys play all these kind of hands because usually guys way overplay big pairs. Right. Um, so it's, so some hand, I, I can understand it, but I mean, calling my small blind raise with Jack 10 offsuit in middle position with guys left to act after you is not a good play. Right. <laughs> right. Well, unless you, unless you know the flop's going to come Jack, Jack 10. Unless you know, absolutely. Right. You can feel it, though, right? That's part of live poker is being able to feel that your card is going to come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's why they burn and turn, right? So you can't, 
you know, feel that, look at that top card and, and know a, what it is. It's a feeling buffer. It's not for yeah. marking the deck. It's so the feelings are contained within. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it, it, it's just funny, too, because the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they always know. Sure. That's good. No, good call. Good call. Right. And I mean, that's the thing, too, is I just don't get into the bantering stuff with people because it's just why. Yeah. But yeah, this, this this guy that, that was yelling at the table was funny because there was a some form of satellite that was going on that night for some big tournament they were running, and tournament players are—I mean, I think we call them the redheaded stepchild of poker players. Yeah. Um, so of course, when these guys are busting out, they're buying into the cash games, I guess, to win back whatever they lost or whatever. And yes, yeah, so this guy raises—it it goes like seven. There's six limbs. So in the small blind, he decides to raise ace-jack offsuit and barrel three streets with air. How could that be and a bad course, play? <laughs> <you're right. laughs> and of course, he gets called by like two guys that both beat him. You know, one guy happened to have like jack four or something, and the other guy had like, you know, king three and hit two pair. And then like two hands later, on the button, or I guess a hand later on the button, he decides to just cold call a raise with ace king suited and then bet at a king high flop and then get the rest of his stack in against some guy that flopped two pair. <laughs> he then stands up and yells donkey at the guy and, you know, all kinds of expletives and man, you suck at poker and blah, 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 and then walks away. <laughs> and I'm just kind of shaking my head. But I would have to admit assume that that's probably the typical online tourney player in a live cash game. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, that's the thing is like, I mean, in, in my, I don't have a ton of live experience, but in my experience, it is a totally, I mean, it's almost like going from like limit to no limit or something where there's some things that are similar, but there's other things that are totally different. And you have to completely adjust. Like, you're not light three betting. You're not floating people live. You're making hands, at least until you get to a higher level, like one, two. No, I, I, I think I agree with you. And I think that that to the one like uh, notion that could stand through is the same in micro stakes as is one, two, no limit is just make hands and bet for value. Yeah. Like you're not going to bluff people off of a pot. If you do, it's probably a very small pot. And it's probably just not worth it. Just make hands and people are going to call you. And I think like a lot I, of the times people run bluffs. They think that they've, oh, I, I got him to fold. What did you get him to fold? Like, he probably didn't fold, you know, two pair. He folded, like, like a middle pair weak kicker or something like that. that well, really I don't even know. I think he would fold complete air. <laughs> and not, like, ace high air. Yeah. Like, do seven that missed his gutter. Yeah. Right. And but if you hit top set of aces, you just bet. Yeah. And you bet big and they're gonna call you. And they're gonna chase and sometimes that's where the variance kicks in. And, and that's why, you know, one, two, no limit is in a lot of regards like limit. It's just guys are gonna chase and they're gonna hit on you. And you're gonna lose some money, but in the long run, I think you make it playing that style. Yeah. You know, I don't think being fancy at all works, period. Uh, and that being said, is that there's no real way to practice for live poker either. I, I've played everything from like one cent, two cent full ring to like two, four dollar full ring. And there's just no equivalent. 
Yeah. I Nobody could... online can simulate. The closest I've came is a 25 cent jackpot tables at Party Poker. Yeah. I'm, I think part of it is that it's, it's harder to be like aggressive live when you have to take those chips and move them forward. That we're online, they're like, oh, I think he's bluffing. I'm going all in. And they'll hit the button, and they're all in. Live, you have to take your chips and slide them forward. And you, the whole time you're thinking, man, this is probably not. What if, he, what if he calls? And I think people end up like checking behind a lot or just calling because they're afraid to make a move because it's tough. Well, it's tough. And, and I think that the uh, live players, a lot of them, I think, just like to gamble more. So if poker didn't exist, they'd be sitting there playing blackjack or craps or something. Like poker is just their form of gambling. That's so they yeah right. They chase their gutters. They you know they call in their nine seven suited to to hit the bad beat jackpot. Like I see that quite a bit, especially in the low stakes. And so you just can't simulate online and. Most of these guys, the way they play, they'd be broke online pretty quick. Yep. Right? Like it, and especially against you know, these multi tabling nits that are just value bitting the shit out of them. And that's, but, but that's what you need to do. But for them, that happens once every hour, maybe once every session, they get stacked by somebody value betting with a great hand versus them. Whereas online, that's, you know, every 15 minutes. Right. Right. And, and a lot of them put way too much of this. Well, I can, I can read the people live. And I don't think I've ever seen somebody correctly read somebody live. I mean, the, the Phil Helmuth on, on the ESPN live cast of, of the World Series was laughable. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's, it's, it's another piece of information. And I don't, I think I wouldn't, I mean, like you talked about that guy Hollywooding and then min raising. Like the fact that no, he, I agree. The fact that I, I the min think... raise was a tip, but the fact that he like hemmed and hawed, or the fact that he gave a little speech and then did it, like there's little bits. But I don't think you're gonna be able to look at the guy and go, "Oh, he has uh, bottom two pair," and I think because of how <laughs> he's sitting and he's leaning to his left, if I bet he'll fold. Like you can't get to that level, and I think people no, like I, to think they can. I, I agree, and, and and I think that reads are there definitely live, but this is the way I think about him, and it might be wrong, but. It's like the last piece of information I use. It's like first I look at all the action, you look at the bet sizing, I try to remember history, and then it's like, well, so I take all that into effect, and then he Hollywooded this. I think he's got it, right? So it's not like ah, I look at you and and you're twitching, right? You know, it's kind of like that last piece. I mean, like when Phil Helmuth was talking, he's just like, oh, yeah, I think this guy's got ace-jack, and I think that guy's got, you know, like pocket tens, and you know, one guy flips over 7-3, and the other guy's got like a pair of sixes. Right? Like he was basically off on like every single read he did on that show. It re- reminded me of one of the really old telecasts before they had whole card cams that like Dick Van Patten was doing it, and I remember seeing like a snippet of it, and like he always thought everyone had the nuts because he's just like – putting people on a specific hand and like the idea of a range doesn't enter his mind. So it's like, Oh, he must have ACE three for top two or, you know, for two pair. Yeah. And it's like, it is unlikely as it would be for any of the action that just happened. Yeah. But it's like, once you've put them on a hand, you're like trying to filter the information to make your hand read correct versus, okay, here are the 
you know, the range that he has and narrow, narrow it as we go or something and, like that. And that's what live players are great for because a lot of times you can just be like, oh, what'd you have there? And they'll show you. Yeah. Right? They will give you so much information that you can then start to tabulate the ranges these guys have and what they do with those ranges. Right. Right. Whereas I try to keep that to a very minimum. I never show a bluff. I never show, you know, an uncalled big hand. I never show anything. Right. I feel it's just completely better to, to keep them in the dark for what I have than to show off the one bluff I'm going to run for the next hour and a half. Makes sense. Hoping they're going to call me down next time, right? Because I might not get another hand for another hour. So what, what's the point? Yeah. Right? Just be the nice guy and just value bit the crap out of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can, it, it sounds so simple and boring, but it is how it works. But that's, that's a problem is a lot of times it just gets boring. And, and, and occasionally you have, you have to kind of sometimes play some hands because when... If you get, if they get the idea in their mind that, that you're the nit, then you probably won't have a lot of success value betting against some of the perceptive players anyway. Yeah. I guess the average player, it doesn't matter, but against some of the perceptive ones, you won't. But what I find is it's my secret weapon at the poker tables is Coors Light. <laughs> because I can drink about 30 of those things and drive home. Especially in the States, because it's like, I don't know, like three and a half percent. Yeah. Something like that. So I can just completely drink. And they're just like, oh, this guy's just here getting loaded. Which may be my plan, but I don't know if it's possible with Coors Light. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you might piss it out as fast as you're getting drunk off of it. Yeah. Which is kind of, I guess, the, the kryptonite of that secret plan is, is that, you know, you end up missing a few hands every orbit to, to hit the bathroom. Yeah. But... But I find that, like I said, like I drink and guys just think that I'm just the drunk guy having a good time. And that's the idea they have in their head. So I could fold every hand for two hours and they'll still pay off a bet because I'm the drunk guy. That, I mean, that, I mean, that's, I think Matt Flynn talked about this when he was on a few weeks ago. He was about just giving the impression, you know, like as the tourist and people get this impression of like, I think he said he had like Hawaiian shirts he was wearing like when he was in Vegas and kind of giving the people this first impression of this guy is this sort of oh, way. Yeah. Every and, time I'm in Vegas, I put on my Las Vegas hat. <laughs> you know, the, the touristy one I bought someplace or whatever, yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the shorts and the sandals. And Although this time, I guess I should mention that the, the, the dude you meet up on Sunday, possibly, um, where I might actually break out the purple deuces cracked hoodie I have. Ooh. So I, I might bring that out just, just so people can make fun of me. Are you planning on wearing the hoodie or just like showing people you have it and then tucking it away and putting on your Las Vegas hat again? Oh, no, the Las Vegas hat's going to be on regardless. And most people probably have no idea what Deuces Cracked is. That's true. And if they and ask if some, you what it is... And if, some, well, but if somebody knows what it is, well, then I know at least they have some inclination at poker. That's true. Uh, un- unless they say, hey, I listen to Baduji All-Stars, and then I'll be like, uh uh-huh, okay. Then, you, then There's you, the spot. Right, I was going to say, you know, like, they obviously <laughs> have, like, you shouldn't run bluffs on them because they have incredible patience. True. I mean, and they have, like, they, they obviously they are tiltless, crap. pain tolerance. Yeah. Probably damp. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, you can get from that one piece of information. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, if anybody's out in Vegas this weekend, uh, I think TJ's uh, mentioned he's gonna he's gonna uh, come out probably play at the Mirage. I think he's gonna try to get a couple other guys. But if anybody's interested, um, he tried to talk me into going to the topless pool he works at. And then, and then we had a long discussion about how awkward that would be. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm still not really sold on the idea of a topless pool. It just sounds like, like I said before. I mean, I think it's like forty old pervy guys, uh, two chicks with their boobs down to their knees, and like the one stripper that they paid to be there. Yeah, and then TJ. And then TJ, just walking around, like if people look sad, just giving them a hug. I assume that's his job at the topless pool, is hugging sad people. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it really is. I don't know what TJ does other than, like, tries to defend Tecmo when I make fun of him. But obviously that doesn't make any sense, so he must do something legitimate, because that there's no money in that. No, well, unless Tecmo pays him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. As long as it took Tecmo to pay me back the money he owed me. Oh wait, free I coaching. I forgot that he's here. Free coaching. Just, just, just sign up for this affiliate thread. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then just, just generate a thousand MGR, and I'll coach you. Right. Yeah. Just. <laughs> that sounds like his tactic. Just yeah. Just first person to do this, I will give you free coaching, and then just forget about it for a year until someone bumps the thread, and then still not <laughs> cash it in, but. So you, how long are you in Vegas for? I'm there for four days, five days? Flying Sunday and I fly out Thursday. That's five days. I'm actually there for a conference. I'm trying to schedule in as much poker play as I can. I might actually do a doc, document or two because they crack me up. They yeah. tilt my balls off too, but they crack me up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always end up getting it in with like aces versus like, you know, ace jack and somehow losing you should know better than that i know but uh but yeah i'm actually there for a conference and i have all these work events and client stuff i have to do and i've never been to a club in vegas but apparently i'm going to be going to quite a few entertaining some clientele which will actually probably be fairly fun but I, i'm just not into that scene do any of the clients like poker you could take them over well, that's what I was thinking. Lose that's a little bit of money like, to them, win money from somebody else. I was thinking, like, well, okay, so if I go to, like, bottle service at any of those clubs, it's, like, 500-some bucks. Or I could go to, like, the Mirage poker tournament and buy everybody in for 60 bucks. That's true. All right, so <laughs> they might have fun, but I, I don't know. I'll have to, we'll have to kind of play it by ear. But, and I know a few of the guys I'm going with are, uh, like, one of the guys I'm going with is the guy that introduced me to Deuces Cracked. And he's been dying to play some poker. Actually, me and him, the first time we took a poker trip to Vegas, I made 600 bucks at 2-4 limit. Wow. I ran like a god. You must have. That is pretty impressive. But it's also the retarded kids' table of, of poker. Yeah, still, Cause, though. Because like they have rake a, at that table has to be pretty horrible, though. Yeah, but they have a rule, like, live, and this is something you don't see online either, is, is that heads up on the river, there's no cap. So I literally had guys paying me off with a straight when I had, like, a, the nut flush. Wow. For, like, 30 bets. You figure, like, bet 20, they'd be like, hmm, there are three spades on the board. But no, no. And, and then there was one guy that was a little ATM. He kept going back to the bank machine and coming back. 
But I don't think I'll ever get that set up again. You never know. Yeah. There's there's people around, but yeah. Where, so are you staying? Uh, where are you? Where are you staying in Vegas while you're there? I'm staying at TI. Okay. Um, I stay enough. Yeah, I stay enough down there now that I get the points places. So. Do you still get? Is that still owned by this? Did it, that got sold, right? No, it's it's by that. It's owned by that Ruffin guy, isn't it? That's on high stakes poker or whatever. Uh, or poker after dark or something that okay. big fish guy he i think he owns ti and mirage or something okay because it's that, not it's not harris group and it's not wind group and it's not mgm because i think somebody i forget who owned it they sold it off to like fund something else or something oh it could be because i remember Cause I, mean, like, I remember going somewhere and like getting the player's card and like they had crossed off yeah no, used on to, all the papers but they still hadn't reprinted the mgm okay that's what it was yeah, it used to be MGM because it had a player's card from TI that was in, like, an MGM one. Okay. And then it got bought by this Ruffin guy or whatever, so it's kind of its own private casino there. But, yeah, I could have stayed at, like, Imperial Palace or Harrah's for free, which I did Imperial Palace once, and it's not as bad as people say. Which isn't saying a lot. That's like saying this podcast <laughs> isn't as bad what, as people say. What drove me nuts is, and it's probably stupid, but there's no safe in the room. I assume that's because no one has anything of value if they're staying it. <laughs> Probably, right? but it's like, okay, I got like a grand worth of cash. So it's like, okay, I'll put I'll put some in this sock and you know, I'll tuck some in my suitcase here and Yeah. You know, just in case someone gets in. Albeit I'm sure they could probably just lift the safe and run out of the room if they got into my room. Yeah. I was gonna say though, like putting money in socks is like one of those moves that you seem like you feel like, oh yeah, it'll be safe here, as if everyone else doesn't hide their money in a sock. Oh yeah, I'm sure the first thing they do is like just like pick up my suitcase and wheel it out. If I were to steal from somebody <laughs> in a hotel, I would just take all their socks. I That'd figure there's got to there's got to be money yeah. in them. If not, you got socks. Yeah, sock puppets, puppet show. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's no downside to this at all. I don't think so. <laughs> and then you get, you'll be known as like the sock bandit. Yeah, and no one will suspect the reason you're stealing socks is because you know about the money. They'll just think like, "Wow." But I think you have to keep that to like Imperial Palace, and I'm like, "What's the other cheap one down the uh, between Harris and Venetian?" I don't even know what's still there. I stayed at the Frontier a few years ago, but that used to be my default as like a joke for kind of a rundown casino, but it's gone now. So, I actually we had a work <laughs> event when I my, one of my old jobs and like. The, it had bikini bull riding and then our, our event on the, uh, the the marquee outside. And it's like, yeah, that's about right for the frontier. <laughs> yeah, but like, because my work is paying for this trip, I decided to go up a, a little bit at least and stay at TI. It actually has the best bed I've ever had in Vegas. That is something I've never really thought about. I just assume that like a bed is a bed, but that's probably not true. But it, well, it's kind of sad because it, that's one thing is I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to play poker. So I got like conference starts at 8 a.m. in the morning, goes to like 5 p.m. Then I got all these vendor events and client stuff to like 10 or so. So everything that's going to be poker comes at the expense of my sleep. That's worth it. It's Vegas. Oh, yeah. I'm already, you know, warned, you know, the family is like, I'm going to come back and, and, and I'm going to be dead. And you won't be able to tell them anything because what happens there stays there. That's trademark, man. You got to be careful. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's again, like, no one's listening. And I don't, I just think that's a weird slogan. I still don't think, like, yeah, a lot of stuff happens here. No one talks about it. 
It's no, nice what I can't wait for it is stays like when, there and then on Facebook and on YouTube. Yeah, like when Facebook has that like face search that they're talking about. Man, that's gonna blow Vegas apart for people. Yep. There's just be no cameras allowed in that city. Yeah, that sounds about right. Disable it. You should. You know what? You should get on that. Just like go person to person. Just tell them. I I will get pamphlets. There's a new policy: no cameras in Vegas, and here is why. No, I'll be one of those guys with the cards and sister flicking them. Except your card isn't for. For, for porn or yeah. you know, for, for hooker, it's just like no cameras. It's just warning them about yeah. That's, <laughs> Here, I think that would be great. Sir. You're gonna have a bunch of disappointed male tourists who take your card and go, "What? <laughs> yeah, that's not what I expected at all." I was walking behind two Irish guys who were like, "Head," were like looking at the cards they had. They're like, oh, "I have duplicates of this one. Do you have this one?" And we're trading with each other like they were baseball cards. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend that does that too. But. Uh, I was going to say, like, I have, like, the, the worst boob luck on the planet either. Like, I've been to Vegas nine, ten times, and I've never seen a pair of breasts down there. Ever. And it's like... Are you going to the pool? We can well, solve apparently it. I need, I need, apparently I need to go to TJ and, and hang out there, and at least I might see his... Uh, that's just this, not a good frame of thought there. This is not but, going where I but, thought it was going. Go ahead. No, but it's funny. Like, I mean, like... I had this uh, friend of my wife's. Was just, she was just famous for flashing her boobs whenever she got drunk. And I'm like the only guy that has never seen them. Because it'd be like, she'd flash and I'd be like, hey, look, a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I'd look back and, boy, yeah, I think it was just showing her boobs again. It's like, oh. And that same thing happened in Vegas. I was walking down and I was looking at something or other. And my guy's like, hey, check that out. And, of course, I miss it. So, and I just run bad on the flashing, apparently. Yeah, you're going to get so, to TJ's pool and everyone's going to be wearing like a, a shirt. Yeah, like I said, that's my worry, man. I get there and it'll be like 50 dudes just staring at each other. Yeah, just waiting, though. They have to be, there has to be like someone paid to. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they have. Like, like so then you're guaranteed. Like, I think it's this, a, this think is it's a pool party, too. Like, it's not just like he works at the pool party, not just like the pool or whatever. So it's actually like kind of an event kind of thing. So I'd have to figure that they hire some strippers or hookers or whatever to, yeah you're know, gonna get out there like trip and fall and like damage your eyes but just for like the time that everyone is exposed and your yeah. vision will come back and it'll be a second too late pretty much or somehow they'll always be facing away from me <laughs> <laughs> well that would work but some, somehow no matter where I stood there'd be no, no line of sight Picture you standing in the middle and surrounded by people facing away from you, and you're like, "No." <laughs> um, uh, perhaps we should end it there before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks again for being here. Um, and enjoy the the unofficial meetup. I can't condone this meetup, so I have to deem it unofficial. Um, unofficial. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, if you, did you, I haven't gotten the paperwork yet. If you guys send over the the fee, we can definitely make it. Official. <laughs> Do I do I get your your worn shirt? Yeah. Are There's you a... interested? What? Last what, week what, it was a Deuce's crack shirt. If you had if he had taken me up on it, he would. Have... See, I already got one of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We can talk about it. I mean, I could take my <laughs> shirt off and it'll be like you're going to Vegas. This is getting weird. I'm gonna stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good uh, place. Yeah, thank, thanks for being here. Uh, enjoy your trip. Uh, enjoy your hugs from TJ. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. All right, that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks again to Big V for being here. Uh, Techno, you have anything you want to add? All right, I guess we're still not talking.
You, as always, you can check us out on Twitter, Badugi All Stars. I also just set up a Facebook fan page. You can find it searching for surprisingly Badugi All Stars. Uh, be sure to follow us on iTunes so you get the latest episode when they come out. Um, if you like it, give us a rating. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, I don't know, solo or with co-hosts or what. Um, it'll be a surprise to all of us. Uh, until then, this is uh, Nixon the Grouch and Tecmo Super Bowl. Later.